Welcome to the Grace Long Beach Podcast, a series of sermons from our weekly Sunday gathering. For more information on our church community, values, and service times, please visit www.gracelb.org. Thanks for listening. Today's reading is Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. From Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will, to the holy and faithful people in Christ Jesus in Ephesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Bless the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He has blessed us in Christ Jesus with every spiritual blessing that comes from heaven. God chose us in Christ to be holy and blameless in God's presence before the creation of the world. God destined us to be his adopted children through Jesus Christ because of his love. This was according to his good will and plan and to honor his glorious grace that he has given to us freely through the son whom he loves. We have been ransomed through his son's blood And we have forgiveness for our failures based on his overflowing grace, which he poured over us with wisdom and understanding. God revealed his hidden design to us, which is according to his good will and the plan that he intended to accomplish through his son. This is what God planned For the climax of all times, to bring all things together in Christ, the things in heaven, along with the things on earth. We have also received an inheritance in Christ. We were destined by the plan of God because we were the first to hope in Christ. You too heard the word of Christ, the word of truth in Christ, which is the good news of your salvation. You were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit because you believed in Christ. The Holy Spirit is the down payment on our inheritance, which is applied towards our redemption as God's own people resulting in the honor of God's glory. This is the word of the Lord. Kids, you're dismissed to King's Quest as the rest of us are seated. My name's Daniel Long. It's good to be with you this morning. And uh, just by way of announcement, she's going to hate that I'm doing this, but it's Shannon Morganson's birthday. Um, And... And she's shaking her head at me, and that means tomorrow we're going to have a conversation. But I say that because, Shannon, we're super grateful for you and want to celebrate you. So if you see Shannon around, give her a hug. Um, And she loves lattes. So just, you know, just in case, keep her stocked up. Uh, 
We love her around here. But we're going to get into this, to the word this morning, into what God might have for us um, in the book of Ephesians. Before that, I'd like to pray. Uh, I was thinking as Horacio was reading scripture, just how profound of a statement that already is, right? That, that we take time to simply listen to the word of God being read. And it, that's not simply just a preface um, for somebody who's going to come up here and then explain what's going on, but we, we actually believe that there's real power in God's word being read over us. So as I'm going to give just a moment of silence before I pray, and I want you to think about like what kind of has grabbed hold of your mind just from Horacio's reading, and then I'll pray and ask that God would um, speak to us. Lord God, thank you for being a God who speaks. Thank you for your word. I ask that this morning as we we look into it, as we explore it, that you might speak to us in a way that, which we need to hear, that we might be transformed by you. God, I ask that you would, in your presence, would be so palpable that we would encounter you afresh. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So this morning, we're, going to, we're starting a series in the book of Ephesians. And this is going to be going through all the way till about the end of May. I don't know about you, but that's intimidating to me. Uh, that's a long time to be in, in a specific book, because what if it's not any good? I mean, you know, um, and, and like, what, if, what if it just seems like, wait, why are we here? What, what, are, what is being talked about? It seems like we're talking about some of the same things over and over and over again. But I think that Ephesians has something to say to us um, as a church where we are, Grace Long Beach, but also as the church, um, in in a way that that not many books can. The book of Ephesians is, is profound in that it's a letter that's written to give, to make sense of this thing that we call church. Now, if you've been here, if you've heard me or others preach, you know that one of the things that we talk a lot about is, is kind of making, or at least acknowledging, the weirdness and the strangeness of church. Because it's not something that is immediately evident as to why we do this, as why we come together, why we're a body, um, a, a group of people that we call ourselves the body of Christ. What's going on there? Well, this thing called church is this group of people who've collectively put their trust in the person of Jesus Christ. And we say that, that part of our gathering is, is to worship the God who has done something so profound in the person of Jesus, that Jesus is the one who gives us our identity. But still, it is so strange. Now, I don't know about you, but at least from a bird's eye view, it can seem as if there's a lot wrong with the church. I've been taking some classes at Cal State Long Beach, and let me tell you, people think there's a whole lot wrong with the church. When it comes around to, you know, what do you do? Public speaking. um, And (laughs) inevitably, the question goes there. It's like, what what do you do? And 
and I've like, um, sometimes I've said pastor, and then immediately it's like, oh, okay, that's you're weird. And then, or I've said minister. <laughs> I don't know why, but um, I'm not proud of that. I just have been trying. I've been trying to figure it out. What do you say? You know, so minister. Some for some reason, people are like, oh, okay. That I don't know. Again, I don't know why. But um, but but you you get around to talking about church, and what's happened in our culture is that. Going to church, being a part of a church, is actually a peculiar thing. Long gone are the days in which you could assume that people had an understanding or a relationship with or some connection to God and to the church. Now it's flipped. If you have a connection to the church or if you believe in this thing we call God or in the person of Jesus, you're strange. You're peculiar. And so what do we do with that? Well, I suggest that's actually good news, because as the church kind of begins to reassess, rethink, reconnect with its roots of what's, what it actually is, there's good news for how God might then use us as his people to bear witness to God in the world. And see, Ephesians, the book of Ephesians, constantly goes into talking about what the church is. So this morning, I'm simply going to provide an introduction to Ephesians, basically one large argument why I think you should read it and why we should read it together. Yes, people are going to be coming up here on Sundays over the next few long time and talking about this book, but I, what I hope is that God would speak to us together through our engagement with this wonderful letter that is written to the church, to God's people. And I just, I can't wait, I can't wait, honestly, to, to see, to hear, and, and to think about what God might do. So, why Ephesians? Well, one of the things that Ephesians does, now, if you, if you buy a movie, how many of you actually buy now a movie or, or a Blu-ray? You go to a store and you buy a, a DVD and you put the DVD in, usually there's these things that are called special features, now, for a lot of you, you're like, I just want to watch the movie. But if you're a nerd, like me, you click on that, and there's this thing called the director's commentary. And, yeah, you're laughing because you, you think, Who, why, is this, why are these things made? Well, for people like me. So um, the director's commentary is this really cool thing. So what you do and, is, is you press play, and the movie begins, and you're actually watching the movie, and then there's this track, these people talking about the movie, and what's actually taking place, how certain scenes were shot, or how somebody got this sort of performance, or what, what the director was hoping to convey in a particular scene. You get this sort of understanding of the film that you wouldn't have if you were just watching it. Well, Ephesians is in much the same way a commentary, the behind-the-scenes look, if you will, at the church. See, churches are good at coming up with these things we call mission statements. Organizations have these, right? These purpose statements for why it exists. Now, Jake, if you can throw, throw ours up. So we have a mission statement. And some of you are like, we do? Um, yes, we do. So here's our mission statement. We are a community of the new creation living out of the gospel for the flourishing of all. That sounds awesome, but what does it mean? Well, this idea that we are a community, that we are people brought together, and we are people brought together who identify themselves as this thing called the new creation. See, in 2 Corinthians 5, Paul uses this language that if anyone is in Christ, new creation. 
that something is new. So we are a new creation who've come together to live out of the gospel. What's the gospel? The gospel is the good news that Jesus is Lord, that through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, God has done something profound in the world, that he has redeemed people, he's rescued people, and that people have a future and a hope for the flourishing of all. This idea that, that we would live out of this good news and that we would then look into the world, out into the world, and say, how might we be a blessing? God has blessed us in Jesus. How might we be a blessing to the world? This idea of shalom, when all things are in harmony. When you look in Revelation 21, when all things are made new, but how might we as a people enact that in the present? So we have this mission statement. We have this purpose that sort of drives us as a community. But see, Ephesians actually goes beyond that. Ephesians isn't so much concerned with a particular group of people and their particular mission, but what is true of all people who identify themselves as being in Jesus Christ? What's true of them? And Ephesians pulls back the curtain and says, here's what's at work. Because on the face of it, right, people can think, oh, we are just a messy, confused, chaotic group of people. But we're the church. I was having a conversation with a friend recently who isn't a Christian, and we were talking a little bit about what I do, and he's like, why do you do that? Do these people even, like, just this sense of, you guys are weird and crazy, and I, I, I want to admit, yes, we have a lot of crazy uncles in the church, right? Like, if you think about the church and you think about going to a family meal, we have a lot of people we'd rather just keep in the living room. But the church, the, the good news is but that even at the table of Jesus, those people are also welcome. And, and the thing is, it's like at the, on the face of it, it might seem like we don't know what we're doing. But Ephesians says, no, dig deeper. Here's what's actually true. Here is your identity. Here are the roots of who you are. And Ephesians over and over and over again, through this letter, will call us back to that. Say, this is who you are. This is what's true. This is the story God is telling. Because God's choice in bringing about his purposes in the world is us. We are God's plan to bring about his purposes in the world. Do you ever think or wonder what God must have been thinking? Did God know that this is where we would be and this is what we would be facing and these are the challenges that we ourselves might bring about? The answer is yes, God knew and still wants to work through us, his people, to bring about his purposes in the world. I don't know about you, but that's inspiring to me. That's exciting. That's really intriguing. Because if it were left up to me, I'd think I could just, if, if I was God, just do it all myself. But God says, no, I want to do it through people who are made new. And it's almost this ground level organic, life-building thing that when the world looks at it, says, wait, what's going on there? 
And the answer, of course, is Jesus is at work. And so Ephesians, again, continually comes back to remind us what is going on. If you want to turn your Bibles to the book of Ephesians, it's on page 976 in the blue Bibles under you. I simply want to read the first two verses and stop. And then talk a little bit about that and how Ephesians works and what we might look for when we read it. Um, and then a few other things that, that God might have for us as we explore this book together. So Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So this letter, it traditionally, historically attributed to the apostle Paul, the apostle Paul was this person who had this profound encounter with the person of Jesus on the road to Damascus, and forever his life was changed, and he became a church planner. And he began to plant these churches in these areas in, in the Greco-Roman world. And these churches, these people, were so peculiar in that they were made up of these, these Jews and these Gentiles, these people who should not fit together, yet somehow were, were unified and, and professing allegiance to this person named Jesus. Paul was, was planting these churches and it says that he, this letter is written to the church of Ephesus. Now, I want you to, if you have a blue Bible, you'll see that there's like a little, a little thing next to the word faithful. And if you look down at the very bottom, it's number one, you'll see in very tiny letters in these footnotes, which this might be interesting to like two of you, but still, I'm going to go there. So it says some manuscripts, it begins to describe what's going on, who are also faithful or before him in love, um, he predestined us. And, and he would, that's weird. That does not say what my Bible said when I was doing this. So, what, well, well this is strange, but anyway. Um, what I want you to know is this. Don't look in your Bibles, but you will see this in other Bibles. Um, so some manuscripts, actually the early manuscripts, they don't have the word in Ephesus in there. It's not included. Now, that's not something to worry about. I actually think it's something that's really cool because what it means is that perhaps this wasn't written to a particular church necessarily, but to a group of churches in the region of Ephesus. Now, why do I think that's interesting? I think that's interesting because if it was written to a group of churches, then it means that what, the, what Paul is attempting to do in this letter is to write about what's true in all of these different types of churches. Which means I think it's absolutely applicable to us. And we can make that jump pretty easily. So what is it saying to us now in 2019 in the city of Long Beach? How is this working and why does it matter? Well, see, what, what Paul is attempting to get at here in this letter is what is true of all churches no matter what, no matter where they are. This is still what's going on behind the curtain and behind the scenes. Now, I think that's really fascinating because... Also, the book of Ephesians, like many of the epistles, if you were to read them, you would recognize pretty early on that Paul is attempting to address some sort of problem. That something has happened in the church, and so he, Paul is wanting to get these people straight, so he starts to write a letter to them to address these problems. Ephesians is actually unique, and then there, there isn't like one direct problem necessarily. It's not like Paul is writing to say, here's what's wrong, here's how you need to be different, and here's why. No, this letter is to simply encourage it's almost written as if it's like a sermon to just remind, remind, remind why the church is a miracle. 
why the church is something that God has brought together for his purposes in the world. So Ephesians, again, is one of these books that's a word to us now. And here's how it works. The book of Ephesians is is broken up into two main parts. You have chapters 1 through 3, and you have chapters 4 through 6. Now, chapters 1 through 3 is basically wanting to just answer the question, what God has accomplished in Christ? What has God accomplished in Christ? And over and over and over again, Paul is going to talk about God's redemption, God calling a people together, this reconciling that has taken place in the person of Jesus. These people who were once this way are now this way. That there is a new humanity that God has created through the person of Jesus. And then in chapters 4 through 6, it's simply saying, okay, well, because that's true, here's how to live in response. Here's how God's new humanity lives in response to what he's already laid out in the first three chapters. So two main parts, chapters 1 through 3, again, over and over and over again of what God has done in Jesus Christ. Chapters 4 through 6, Here's how it works in your daily life. But here's what's so cool. It actually goes into the daily life of those who will be reading it. It talks about anger and how we're to think about our anger in in light of the gospel. It talks about how we're united together in Jesus, Jew and Gentile, that we are one. And it's by our oneness that we actually then proclaim the gospel. He talks about household relationships what, it, what our, our friendships, our marriages, our relationships to our fathers and mothers and children, what are they supposed to look like in reference to the gospel? Over and over and over again, the book is attempting to say there is no part of life that is untouched by the good news of Jesus. If you've tethered yourself to the Christian story, then it means all of your life is to be filtered through that story. If you've connected yourself to Jesus then your life is to be lived in response and in reference to Jesus. And so then what is the mission of the church? According to Ephesians, what is the hope that that this letter is attempting to bring out of why the church exists? We'll turn over to chapter 4. So you see in chapter 4 this beginning I, therefore, this word therefore is basically saying, now all that I've said in the first three chapters, this is all in response to that. I'm just going to read a little bit. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gifts. So because of what God has done in the person of Jesus and redeeming a people and calling you out of darkness into light and has created this new humanity, walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Because of what God has done in Jesus, and if you connect yourself to that story, walk in light of that story. And he continues, look at verse 10. Talking about Jesus, he who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers 
to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. So what is the mission, the purpose of the church? That we together would grow up into Christ. That we, would, that we together, building one another up in love, speaking the truth in love, with all humility, why are, why are pastors and prophets and apostles and, and teachers given to the church for one purpose, that we would grow up into Jesus. That is what we have been called to do, is to grow up into Christ. What shape might that growing up take within us, the community of Grace Long Beach? How might we help one another grow up into Christ? Now, I want to lay out or just acknowledge some key themes as you, as you read it, assuming you will, um, that you will look for and that I want you to consider as we engage this together. Because there are things that, that the letter is constantly talking about, and I think they're, they're important to name, so that when you see them and you say, oh, yeah. So one of the things you'll see, especially in the first chapter, is constant connection to Jesus. There's this word in Christ or in him or through Christ or for Christ or because of Christ. This letter cannot help but, dis- but connect the church to the person of Jesus. That might seem obvious to you. But truly, everything we do as a body should find its Jesus as its reference point. Every single thing we do or are about or are concerned with needs to find as its apex, as its connection, as its reference, the person of Jesus. Why do we care about giving to the poor or like being selfless to one another? It's not because I want to be a nice person. But it's because of Jesus. Why, why, why should we actually care about our children and growing them up into the faith? Not because we hope we are good parents or that our, that our kids might have something good to say about us or so that when they go to therapy, it's not because of us. <laughs> but rather, why we do those things? Because of Jesus. Why do we come and sit down and stand for the reading of God's word? Why do we worship in praise and honor of God because of Jesus Christ. Why is this thing worth fighting for? Why is this thing worth being present for? Because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. There is no other reason than what God has done in Jesus Christ and our opportunity to bear witness to that truth. So in Christ... Everything that this letter is talking about finds Christ as its reference point. Again, you'll see the word purpose come up over and over again. This idea that God has a purpose, that there is a past, present, and future reality to what God is doing in the world and in his church. 
that God has a purpose and we, the church, are a part of it. So look out for that word, God's power. Whatever Ephesians calls us to, whatever type of people we're supposed to be, God has made it possible through the power of his spirit. God has given himself to us. So if we read these things in the church, or about the church in the book of Ephesians, and we think that seems impossible, it's not possible that we could be one. It's not possible that we can be unified. Well, through the power of the Spirit, it actually is possible. We, together, as God's people, have the Spirit of God at work among us. I mean, that is power. That is God's power. And over and over and over again, this letter will remind us of how it is we can do what, it is, what it's calling us to do. So again, unity and oneness. That one of the primary ways that we bear witness to God's work in the world is our ability to be unified. One spirit, one Lord, one Father. That we are together, the church, And it's in our unity and in our oneness that we reflect to the world the goodness, grace, and love of God. I mean, imagine, just go back in time. You have Jew and you have Gentile, two people who believed very different things. People who had a way of life with God, who were supposed to, who who they're eating, they're they're waking, they're sleeping, the way that they They structured their time was all in reference to God. And then you have these Gentiles who have no reference point to God. Their God, their Lord is Caesar. And yet through Jesus, somehow these people are to be one. How does that work? But by the goodness, grace of God and the power of his spirit. But truly... That is the calling before us now. How is it possible for us to remain together as a church, as a people, with one Lord, one Father, one God, by the power of the Spirit in the person of Jesus? And then again, you'll see this this language of one another, bearing witness to one another, building up one another in love, that the way that we work out the good news, the grace of God, is in our relationships. Not alone, not in my personal relationship with God, though that is important, but it's in how we are together that we begin to grow up into Christ. Not isolated, not set apart, but with one another. So Ephesians. Ephesians, I believe, is a letter for our time, for us, where we find ourselves, Grace Long Beach, right now but also outside of us, much larger in the greater church. What might it look like for us to go again into the roots of who we are as a people, why we exist, and what God wants to do through us? I think it's going to be an awesome journey. So I'm going to ask you to do a few things. You have homework for a long time. I mean, till May. This is your homework. So, so think about this. Here's how I want you to join me on the journey. I'm asking that you read and you reread Ephesians. And all the way through, if you can, in one sitting. Now, if, you, if someone was to give you a letter, you wouldn't just read the first paragraph and be like, awesome, all right. No, you'd read the whole thing so that you know what somebody is actually trying to say. Well, if this letter was written as a whole, 
then I would challenge you to read it as a whole. And it doesn't take long. I know our time is precious. But honestly, it's God's time. And he's given it to you. So give a little back. So read and reread Ephesians over and over and over again. And as you're reading it, as it sort of takes hold of of you, um, listen to what God might be saying to you and to us. Now, I want to believe that in our reading scripture, in our engaging it together through sermons, through, through conversations, that God might have something to say to our church. And that one of the ways he might have something to say to us is through you in your engagement in scripture. And you're listening to God. So listen to what God might be saying to you and to us. And then I want you to pray in two different ways. And you can add to this list if you want and let me know how you've added to it and I'll just keep piling on the homework. But um, here are two different ways to pray. Ask that God, through his spirit, would unify us in Jesus Christ. Ask that God, through his spirit, it is the spirit of God, it's God's work that will make this possible, that we would be unified together in Jesus. And then secondly, ask that our imaginations would be shaped by God's vision for the church. Now I encourage you as you read Ephesians, lay down your own vision, if you will, your own mission of the church, your own preferences. Open your hands and let God give those to you. Let God give those to us and have our imaginations shaped by God's vision for the church. Not not our own personal ideas of what could be good or what might be good, but really, what, what is going on here? What is God doing? And I wonder if in our exploring that, in our connecting to that, we'll see, wow, God has already been doing things. And the response is simply praise and glory to this God who has done something remarkable through the person of Jesus. So, will you join me? In that, over the next long while, as we explore and engage the book of Ephesians together, that God might really grab hold of our minds, our imaginations, and transform us and renew us and work through us so that we might bear witness to God's loving activity in our city, in our neighborhoods, in your works, in your household. I really believe that God has something for us. Will you please pray with me? God, I ask that you would speak to us Through your word, I ask that you would help us to be people who listen. God, I pray that our imaginations would be taken hold of by you. That what we imagine the church to be would be reshaped and reformed so that we might catch a glimpse of what what it is you're already doing and what it is you want so that we might be a people activated by that. Thank you that you've called us together in Christ to be one. Help us to build one another up in love and to grow into maturity, into Jesus, your son. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.